You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of our Adult Sunday School series. Adult Sunday School is taught by a variety of different men in our church. Now let's prepare our hearts as our Sunday School teacher brings forth God's truths from His Word today. If you would please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 22. Um, Earlier in the month, I started out the month, and I was I, we went and we looked at Jeremiah and how he was fully surrendered to the Lord in spite of all the things that were going on in his life. And I'd really kind of was really trying to look at the how of how do we get to that surrendered state. And it seems like I kept running into roadblock here and there, and I was really just uh, just having some difficulty in that because it's not necessarily clear. And as I was studying for this lesson, I've, it kind of dawned on me why I really hadn't been able to point to what does surrender really look like for each individual person because determining that is really, it's a matter of the heart and we can't see the heart. But when our hearts are right with God, surrender is that natural outcome. So to, to determine what surrender looks like is a very personal and it's a very individual thing. And what can look like surrender to us from the outside may not really be surrender at all. There's a difference between obedience and surrender. Obedience is an action. Surrender happens in the heart. Last week, um, I really appreciated that Brother Cooper Beer from the Academy um, and his willingness to to take the lesson that he had prepared and and teach it. Um, I had struggled all through the week and finally... Friday, Saturday, I really thought I was, the lesson was coming together, and then me being a tech guy, I thought I had everything under control, and through a tech glitch, I lost everything I had done, and it, my, um, my uh, notes reverted back to where they had been like on Thursday. And so um, that was about 9 o'clock Saturday evening, and I texted Aaron, and Aaron didn't respond right away, and he, he responded about 10.30 and said, I can do something um, if you really need me to, and then he said, "Well, aren't, isn't the academy going to be there? Maybe they'll, uh, maybe they'll do something." And I said, "Well, he's sitting here in my living room. I'll ask him." So, uh, so, and he was willing. And so that, uh, and what was really awesome, I thought, was that a lot of what Cooper brought to us was very similar to what the Lord had been working in my heart and what I was trying to express, and I was having such difficulty expressing. And I thought he did a, just an amazing job and very eloquently was able to express what. Um, what he, uh, what I had been trying to express and trying to get to, um, and so just that just, it's an amazing thing. What a great God we serve! You know, I, I kind of was looking at it as an attack of Satan. That you know, <laughs> I've been working hard on this, and then he just hits me with this, and I don't know what happened. You know, I can't find the lesson. I can't find the notes that I had already created. Um, but really, I think it was of God. I think he was, his hand was in it, and if it was of Satan, God thwarted him and and did something good out of it like he always does. So in that prior week before that, um, I had really focused on Jeremiah and how he had that complete surrender and reliance on God despite all of the life-crushing events that were happening around him. He was deserted by his friends, his family, and his his, uh, country was about to be destroyed. But he was stayed on, he was focused on, completely surrendered to the work that God had called him to do. We talked about how holiness and surrender are intricately linked, how we need to be in the Word to continue to learn of God and His attributes, and that knowledge of those things produces in us the desire to be holy. 
Then we explore the concept of being fully surrendered, our mind, our body, our will. And at the end of that, I asked some hard questions, and I just went through a whole list of things. Lord, and I just said, Lord, I'll lead you. I'll go wherever you lead me, but don't ask me to do. And then I just went through a whole list of things that I think get in our way that prevent us from being surrendered to God. Then last week, Cooper talked about the fact that the church has a job to do, and we don't have the power of ourselves to do that job. That power comes through Christ. And then just a, just a really awesome comment or uh, thing that he said there was that Christ is either Lord of all or not Lord at all. And that really sums it up very well. The only way we, that we have the power to live, the only way that we have the power to live as God wants us to do and have that power of him living in and through us is through purity. And he talked about Achan um, and the, the situation at Ai where, they were, where the Israelites were defeated because of, they had that accursed thing. And he said, get the accursed thing out from, from your midst and destroy it. And then he talked about how Joshua was on his face before the Lord, and he said, what wilt thou do unto thy great name? And Joshua had that heart of purity towards the Lord. He wasn't concerned about how it looked for him, but he was concerned about how it looked for God. And he, he was begging God, what are you going to do about this? Your name has been besmirched. And then using the account of David and Goliath, he compared the response of Saul and David when the Philistine, Philistines defied the army of the living God. And he challenged us to be a David, to be fully surrendered to God and committed in the same way David was. David was concerned again about God's reputation, and so should we be. So continuing in that same vein of surrender, I want to look at this passage in, in um, Luke. And we're gonna, I'm gonna, what I want to do today is just walk through the life of Peter and how he went from being kind of this wild unpredictable person to being fully surrendered to God. So if we start in verse 59 of Luke chapter 62. <clears throat> and this is while Jesus is standing in front of the Pharisees and scribes um, uh, in this fake trial that they had set up and all the disciples had run away, but then Peter shows up there. Verse 59 and about the space of one hour after, another confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crew, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you today. Lord, I just I thank you again so much for your word. I thank you for the way that you work in our lives, the way that you care for us and you love us. And Lord, that you desire us to be surrendered to you, to the control of your spirit. Lord, I just ask you to be with me this morning as I bring what you've helped me to prepare, Lord. And I ask that you will just move me out of the way. Help what I say to be of you completely, nothing of me. And Lord, I just thank you again for all that you are. You are an amazing, and wonderful, and good God, and I praise you and I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So that scripture passage that we just read represents that 
that pivotal turning point in the life of Peter. At that moment in his life, he turned away from being simply a devoted disciple to being a fully surrendered man. It was a process that started at that very moment. What I really love about the life of Peter is that he could be any one of us. He's passionate about serving his master, but often falls short. Yet in this portrait of surrender, I hope to show how he, he is used mightily of God once he had reached that full surrender, that place of full surrender. Before this incident happened, he had declared his intent to follow Jesus anywhere, and Jesus replied, Thou canst not follow me now. Jesus knew his heart and knew he wasn't quite ready to follow him all the way. Peter hadn't reached the end of himself, and he was declaring his intent to follow Christ on his own merit and his own strength. But at this point, when he denied Jesus, he reached the end of himself. He declared that he would never desert Jesus. He, he declared he would be there for him. Yeah, Jesus uh, has said before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Up until that moment, like many of us, he was attempting to live his life, his life as a disciple in his own strength. So I'll start out and I'm going to kind of back up into the life of Peter where we first meet him in the, in the Gospels. If you turn to Matthew chapter 4, <clears throat> we're going to do a lot of kind of flipping between Matthew and Luke today. We'll start in verse 18. Peter started out his life as a disciple by dropping everything and following Christ. And that's what we see here. Starting in verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. So here we see that, that for our first meeting of Peter is that he's this man of just, he's impetuous. He just, he drops everything. But he has this, he's a man of absolutes. And it even seemed at this moment that he's a man of absolute surrender because he just left everything and just started following Jesus. Right when Christ called him, he just dropped everything. We could, we could use that example. We could do, do well to do that in our own lives. When we're called, do it. He was also a man of obedience. If you turn to Luke, kind of keep your finger in Matthew because I said we'll be flipping back and forth, but Luke chapter 5. He was also a man of obedience. And we, um, the academy last week portrayed the, that, that incident in their lives when they had that great catch of fish, and they did an awesome job of bringing that to life for us. Um, and we're going we're gonna to read that here in Luke chapter 5, and we're starting in verse 4. <clears throat> so Jesus had had... had um, asked Peter to push, out, push his boat out into the, into the sea so that he could speak to the crowds without being pressed on. And so once, and this is where we pick up, is now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have done, taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, 
for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished in all that were with him at the draught of the fishes that, which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they first took all and followed him. He says, Master, we have toiled all night and taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. He called him master. That says, whatever you say, I'll do because you are my master. And yeah, despite working all night and not getting anything, because you've said it, I'm going to let down the net. So we see here that he had, he had a, a character of obedience. He's saying, it doesn't make sense, but because you're my master, I'll do as you say. And then at the end of, the Bible, of that passage, the Bible says they first took all and followed him. Now, if you'll flip back to Matthew in chapter 14. Again, we see Peter here. This is the account of, of Jesus coming out to the, walking out on the water to the ship, and Peter gets the opportunity to do the same. We see, we see his obedience in action here, starting in verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on, into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, <clears throat> tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus said, went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when the waves, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him up, saying unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Peter stepped over the side of that boat in faith and obedience to his master. And his obedience was rewarded with something that no one else had ever experienced. And he was able to walk on the water until he took his eyes off Jesus. When he cried out to Jesus, he said immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. That's the way it is in our lives. When we we, re, we step out in obedience and then we start looking around at all the things that are going contrary against us, pushing us away from following what, what God wants us to do. We just have to call out, say, Lord, save me. And he'll be there to grab us and bring us back up. Just a couple of chapters over to Matthew 16. So we see that Peter had this, he, he was obedient and he was devoted. And we also see in this passage how he had, he had some great spiritual insight that was given him. Uh, starting in verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I am? They say that I, the Son of Man, am. And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? 
And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. At this point in time, we see that, you know, we look at all these different things where Peter is, he's surrendered, every, he's dropped everything, right? Left everything to follow Jesus. We see how he's been obedient. He comes, the Lord says, come, and he comes, steps over the side of the boat. We see that he has all the right answers. And if, if you were, if we were looking at him today, you're looking at him, we, we'd see him as a great spiritual leader, a great an example of a great man of God. Yet Peter still had an amazing amount of growth to do. He was still lacking much. Peter also lived a life of self. He was, while he appeared to be obedient, while he appeared to be following, while he appeared to have all the insights, if we just drop down a couple of verses down to verse 21, this follows directly on what we just read where Peter declares Jesus to be the son of the living God. So after, after he does that, Jesus tells his disciples, don't tell anybody, but then he starts talking to them about what being the son of God means, and that's what we're talking about here. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense to me, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. So once Peter had declared that, and Jesus begins explaining what has to happen to him as Christ, it becomes too much for Peter. And he begins to rebuke the one whom he has just declared to be the Son of God. And Jesus turns and tells him, Get thee behind me, Satan. Get away from me, you tempter, who would turn me away from, what, from the Father's will. Get thee behind me, Satan. Why does he call him Satan? Because he, he says it here. He savors not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. His perspective was from a worldly perspective. He wasn't looking at it from God's side. He wasn't looking at it as, as the, the path to salvation. He didn't understand it. He was looking at it from his side. He loved this man. He was following this man. And he couldn't fathom the, the thought of him being put through the trial and crucified and all of that. So he says, no, Lord, don't, we can't let that happen to you. But Jesus tells him, Get thee behind me, Satan. He was focused on the world, the world around him instead of the, the heavenly kingdom, the things that made him comfortable. After he tells Peter to get, be, get thee behind me, Satan, Jesus follows that up by saying, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. No man can follow him unless he does that. Self must be utterly denied. What does that mean? When Peter denied Christ, we read that he repeated three times 
I do not know the man. In other words, I have nothing to do with him. He and I are not friends. I deny having any connection with him. Christ told Peter he must deny self. Self must be ignored and its every claim rejected. But Peter didn't understand that. He couldn't obey it. And Jesus could see that in the life of Peter. He couldn't deny himself. So when that night came, Jesus told him before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. <clears throat> but Peter, full of self, full of self-confidence, tells Jesus, though all should forsake thee, yet will not I. I am ready to go with thee to prison and to death. And we can't really knock Peter for this. He really, I think he really meant it honestly. He really intended to do what he said. But he didn't know himself. He didn't know his own heart. He did not believe he was so bad as Jesus said he was that he could actually walk away or deny him, forsake him. I think sometimes we think about these individual sins that come between us and God. But many times, in every time, it's that self, the inner life that's still unclean. So what are we to do with that? That flesh that's under the power of sin. Deliverance from that is what we need. Peter didn't know it at that point, And it was entirely in his own self-confidence that he went that he boldly went out and then denied his Lord. Looking back at verse 24, then Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. It's really interesting that Jesus says, deny oneself and then he uses the same word, deny, when he tells Peter what he's going to do, that he will deny him three times. That's the way it is. Either we deny self or we deny Christ. We can't have it both ways. That war is between self and Christ. Who's going to have the rule of our lives? Either Christ is on the throne of our lives or we've put ourselves on there, but both can't be on the throne. Peter denied his Lord three times. And then the Lord looked at him. That look of Jesus broke Peter's heart. And all at once he realized the terrible sin he had committed, the terrible failure that he, had that he had become, the depth to which he had fallen, and Peter went out and wept bitterly. I think that was the beginning of a repentance process in Peter's life. Can you imagine the following hours through that night and the next day when he saw Christ crucified and buried? And the next days while he's in the grave, can you imagine what hopeless despair and shame he must have spent those days? My Lord's gone, my hope's gone, and I denied him. After living with him, fellowshipping in with him for three years, I denied my Lord. I can't, I don't know that we can really realize to what depth of humiliation Peter must have sank down, but that was the turning point. The change, the first day of the week, Christ was seen of Peter. And in the evening, he met him with the others. Please turn to John chapter 21. This is where we see that Peter has completely changed. This shows the repentance that's happened. Starting in verse 15. 
This is the account of when Jesus has a conversation with Peter on the beach. Jesus had, the, the disciples had gone back out and started fishing again, and, and Jesus prepares them a breakfast on the beach. They have, again, they must not have been great fishermen because every time we hear about them, they don't, their boats are empty. They're not catching any fish. But um, Jesus prepares them a breakfast of fish on the beach, and then he has this conversation with Peter, starting in verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Do you love me more than this fishing, this career that you've chosen? And he said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. And he saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him a third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he had said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, Thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Here we see how Jesus asked him, Lovest thou me? Until Peter was made sad by the thought that the Lord reminded him of having denied him three times. But he gave him the opportunity to redeem that by asking him three times again. And he says in sorrow, but in truth, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Peter showed by his answer that he was prepared for deliverance from self. All that self that he had had before, now he is ready for surrender. Christ took him with the others to the Mount of Ascension and he told them to wait. And then on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. And that changed everything for Peter. He was a changed man. I don't want you to only think of the change in Peter and that boldness and the power and that insight into the scriptures and that blessing with which he preached that day. Thank God for that. But there was something for Peter deeper and better. Peter's whole nature was changed. The work that Christ had begun in Peter when he looked upon him was perfected when he was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what happens to us as believers at the moment of our salvation. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. You can see the evidence of the change in Peter's life. If you read, the, read his first epistle, we've looked at the root of Peter's failings, that self, when he said to Christ, in, a, in effect, you can't ever suffer, it can't be. It showed that he had no idea what it was to pass through death into life. Christ said, deny thyself, and in spite of that, he denied his Lord. When Christ warned him, thou shalt deny me, and he insisted that he never would, Peter showed how little he understood where, that there was in, where he was inside himself. But when I read the epistle and hear him say, If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the Spirit of God of glory resteth upon you. It's not the old Peter, it's, but it's the very Spirit of Christ breathing and speaking through him, with him, within him. And then he also says, Hereunto are ye called to suffer, even as Christ suffered. That's a huge change that's come over Peter. Instead of denying Christ, he found joy and pleasure in having self-denied, self-crucified, and given up. And so it is in Acts that we read, when he was called before the council, he could boldly say, we must obey God rather than men. And that he could return with the other disciples and rejoice that they were counted worthy to suffer for Christ's name. We remember how he was 
he's exalted himself, and he's, but then as we read through his epistle, we find the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit is in the sight of God of great price. And he tells us to be subject to one another and be clothed with humility. We can see that complete change in Peter's life. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I beg you to look at Peter, how he was utterly changed, the self-pleasing, the self-trusting, the self-seeking, the self-confident Peter, full of sin, continually getting into trouble with his words, foolish, impetuous, but now filled with the Spirit and the life of Jesus. Christ did it for him by the Holy Spirit. We have that Spirit in us. I hope you can see why I chose Peter as the example of a life that's become surrendered completely to Christ. His story is like the life, like the story of every believer who is really ready to be made a blessing by God. His story is a vision of what every one of us can be. So let's go, go back and what we've talked about. One may be a very earnest, godly, devoted believer in whom the power of the flesh is still very strong. That's a very sobering truth. Before Peter, before he denied Christ, he had cast out devils. He'd healed the sick, yet the flesh still had power and the flesh still had a place in him. We must realize that it is just on account of there being so much of that self in us that the power of God can't work in us as mightily as God would want it to be. The great God is longing to pour out his blessing, to give tenfold blessings through us, but there's something hindering him. And that something is that self the self that gets in the way of complete surrender. We talk about the pride of Peter and the impetuousness of Peter, the self-confidence of Peter. It was all rooted in that one word, self. How much of that do we see in our own lives? Christ said, deny self. And Peter never completely understood and completely obeyed. And all of his failings came out of that. We should be crying out to God, teach us this, that none of us maybe living for self. It happens to many Christians that they live a life of self and then God has to do something to take that, to break that in their lives. We do well to, to get it out of our lives now before he has to take that step, before we have to go through that suffering and the pain that comes from that, before we have to go out and weep bitterly Let's get that flesh out of our lives. And the second thing, important thing I want to take away from this is that the work of Christ is to show us where we have this self in our lives, this failure to surrender every part of our lives. How was it that Peter, carnal Peter, self-willed Peter, ever became the man of Pentecost and the writer of his epistle? It was because he was with Christ Christ watched over him. Christ taught him and blessed him. The warnings that Christ had given him were part of that training. And last of all, there came that look of love at his denial. In his suffering, Christ did not forget him, but turned around and looked upon him. And then Peter went out and wept bitterly. The Christ that led Peter to Pentecost is waiting today to take charge of every heart that's willing to surrender itself to him. If you're sitting there saying, this is how it is with me, it's always self-love, self-life, self-comfort, self-involvement, self-pleasing, self-will. How am I to get rid of it? 
Turn to Christ Jesus who can rid you of it. No one else but Christ can give you deliverance from the power of self. What does he ask you to do? He asks you to humble humble yourself before him. Give it all to him. Then he can use you when you're emptied of self. Then he can control and use you for great things for his kingdom. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.